Hello, everyone, and welcome to SCADcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Matt Nickley, SCAD alumnus and a SCADcast producer. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Alan Cumming, the man who answers the question, who would you most like to be trapped on a desert island with? His acting abilities go without saying, from his triumphs on the stage and the screen. He possesses a seemingly unending amount of energy, and his talents stretch far beyond acting. He's a concert artist, a writer, a photographer, a social advocate. I'd keep going, but I know I'll miss something. Suffice to say that no matter where you are or what you are doing, Alan Cummings' presence could probably make it a whole lot better. This impresario of entertainment sat with SCAD President Paula Wallace and SCAD Atlanta during the Atlanta Television Festival. Let's go over to their conversation now. From SCADcast, this is On Creativity, a conversation between Alan Cumming and Paula Wallace. Well, hello, Alan, and welcome back to SCAD. Thank you for joining us at Savannah Film Festival in the past and now here at ATV Fest. We're so delighted to have you. Thank you. I'm very very glad to be back in this neck of the woods. (laughs) Well, you picked up some of our jargon, too. Did you see that? (laughs) Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Um, Well, before we start talking about instinct, um, maybe we'll look back at a little bit of your career. You have done so many amazing and marvelous things. Um, Who first encouraged you with your gift? Um, I I suppose my uh, my teacher, my English teacher at school, Mrs. Law, she was the first person. um, I just I did a play at school, and that she had, you know, did at high school, and that was the first time. And actually, it was one of those things where it was the first time I was any good at anything. And um, she was very encouraging of me. And uh, I kind of probably wouldn't have... Uh, I mean, aside from the fact that I wasn't good at anything else, and so I, I, I myself thought I should stick with this because it <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> seems a reality. Uh-huh. Eureka. Yeah. <laughs> I found something. Yeah, that someone said, oh, you're good at something, um, was, was unusual for me. Oh, but look at all the things you've done. My goodness. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I'm not fishing for, you know, it wasn't a pity thing. I, 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 um, I feel I'm quite proficient. Mm-hmm. No, but you know when you're when you're little and you don't, you know you haven't found your way. Mm-hmm. So she was the first person that kind of encouraged me to pursue what I'm doing now. And also, I think my granny was very influential in that she was the first. Not in that she kind of persuaded me to or encouraged me to become an actor, but she definitely um, encouraged me to to believe that it was okay to be different and to be a little odd. Yes. <laughs> she was nuts. <laughs> okay, well, I want to know about her then. Oh, well, she was um, she was a really fascinating woman because I discovered all this stuff and I wrote about it in my book, Not My Father's Son, but she was married to this man who was a soldier and she had four kids, one of whom was not his uh, child. And he went off to the war and basically never came back. And, mm. and then he died in this really awful way. He actually died in uh, playing Russian roulette in Malaysia. And because he did that, the army wouldn't give him a pension, but they wouldn't, they didn't want to upset my granny by telling her that's how he'd died, but yet they wouldn't give her a pension. So she was just in this kind of, you know, mm. sort of morass of not knowing why she wasn't being mm-hmm. um, looked after by, by the army. And um, so basically she was plunged into abject poverty with her four children. 
for young children in the, in the Highlands of Scotland. And she worked in the fields and she, she was this amazing person. Mm -hmm. But, and then, you know, when I came along, she was still like, she worked in a, she was a cleaner in a hospital and she did all these different jobs, but she was just hilarious and was very kind of, um, um, naughty. Like she encouraged me to be naughty. And, um, I, she took me into an, um, like a, what do you call it in America? When it's like an, when it's, you know, you've got to be a certain age to get in. What do you call that? Uh, Kindergarten? You know, no, like in a film and you go and see it. And it's like, oh. there's sort of a. Age of consent. Yes, but what's the. R-rated. R-rated. Oh, R-rated. It's R-rated. It's the one that's <laughs> for like maybe yeah. sex and stuff. Because mm -hmm. we say X-rated or we used to, and that's obviously means something else in America. But um, she took me in, when I was way underage, she took me to this oh. um, double bill. She obviously wanted to see the films and I was <laughs> with her for the weekend. She thought, oh, well. So, and then she, she kind of did things like that, that, and she would, there was a bridge in Inverness that was a sort of a suspension bridge and she would take me into the middle of the bridge and we'd jump up and down and make the bridge go up and down. Fantastic. Yeah, what she a, was great. She was a really great sort of free spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a grandmother like that you did? too. It leaves a lasting impression. Yeah, mm -hmm. it really does. Mm -hmm. And also I think it kind of skips a generation because I think <laughs> and my mom, I think was, was so kind of having to pick up the slack a little bit of, of you know, my granny being so, a combination of being a bit wacky and also being so busy and trying to, you know, and, and she was the eldest child. So she was a bit more um, responsible. And, mm -hmm. and then I feel I've got the naughty gene. <laughs> well, it served you well. Uh, yes, yeah. And Still music, being naughty. <laughs> and music's been a big part of your career yeah. and your life. Um, do you have a favorite song? Um. Well, I do. I sort of go in phases with songs. I kind of become obsessed with songs, especially you know when I'm because I'm thinking I'm about to start putting together a new concert oh, uh, tour. Like I did this. My last one was called Alan Cummings sings sappy songs, and I <laughs> kind of put that one to bed. And I'm going. And my next one's called Legal Immigrant, and I want to sing songs. I mean, they're all songs that I like, and I feel I can act, and I, and there's some, you know, in some way I can bring something to the song that changes it or reinterprets it. But also I want to remind people that most, you know, how much of the culture we have in this country was written by people who are immigrants to this country and including myself, you know, I'm a, I'm a recent immigrant and I found the rhetoric around immigration in, in, of late really hurtful actually. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's it, the, just the word immigrant has a negative connotation now, mm -hmm. whether you're legal or not. And so I'm just fascinated by that. But I want to do the, I want to talk about the, the immigration status or status of all the uh, writers of the songs that I do. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at all these different songs and also just in Scotland. So I think right now I'm obsessed with a Robert Burns song. which so is called um, uh, A Fond Kiss. And it's about an, a relationship ending and you have one last kiss mm -hmm. and then it's then we sever. That's what mm -hmm. that's it. It's A Fond Kiss and then we sever. Oh, my. I know. It's intense. <laughs> well, that's a good one to start with and build an entire repertoire around. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 and I love sort of doing that about getting a song and then thinking, well, where will I go next? And then, you know, having a very eclectic. In my last show, I did, you know, a song by Brecht and Weil and then a song by Miley Cyrus. And <laughs> I really, I love that kind of, kind of challenging people to hear, to listen to things in a different way. Yes, and you advise the students today. Thank you for doing the master class. Oh, you advise them about um, being eclectic and listening, and I thought that was all wonderful advice. 
Oh, thank you. But I do think that if you specialize in, in, a, in a subject, that you're encouraged just to keep doing and doing and doing and doing it. And actually, sometimes it's really healthy for everyone, actually, to... You know, I, I really like when people in companies have these retreats and then they all kind of, like, you know, make macrame baskets or something. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, like, make, make um, rafts and try yeah. and get to an island. I think, I, love, I think that's such a good... You know, team building and all that stuff. Mm. I think it's really important. And that's what I think, as an artist, you need to do because mostly you're an artist on your own. You know, it's not really a team thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so actually, it's, for me, I think it's really important to, keep, to remind myself to actually try different things and, mm -hmm. you know. And you come back to whatever you were doing before, fresher and with probably more, you know, inspiration. Mm -hmm. I related to what you said about not wanting to be around uh, actors all the time because I feel the same way about educators. Oh, you do? Oh, they just talk about education all the <laughs> yeah, time. I know. I, I, I wonder if, like, any bunch of people who do the same thing <laughs> would be boring yeah. it's like you know I always think when people say to me about Los Angeles um and I, I say the thing I, I like least about LA and I don't I don't live there I chose to live in New York rather than LA because you like the cold I do like the cold <laughs> I mean I'm from the cold so I and I also I like I feel like I like um people I like having people humanity mm. around me and I, I miss that in LA. And also I do like, I think being cold makes you feel alive, you know, even and being really totally hot and sweaty makes you feel alive too. But um, I, uh, what, what, what I say about LA is that I feel it's a work town, you know, it's mostly all about the entertainment industry. The entertainment. And that's kind of boring to me. And I, I always say, I think, I always think LA is kind of like what I imagined Hershey, Pennsylvania to be like. <laughs> Because that's where they make the chocolate. And yes. I bet everyone there just about talks chocolate. about chocolate all the time and it's really boring. Yeah. So it's, it actually makes LA more palatable. Yes. Forgive the pun. To think about it like it's yeah. just a chocolate factory. Wow. Well, in 2009, you were <clears throat> named an officer of the Order of the British Empire. Yes. What was that experience like? Um, I want to know. Well, um, well, it's quite funny because, you know, it's sort of... you. You, you're aware that there's sort of think there's rumblings that they might give you it might mm -hmm. you know it comes from the government and the you know the, the queen kind of gives it to you but it's really there it's suggested by the whatever administration is in in Britain um, and so the, and and eventually there comes a point where they say you know you know they're going to and they say were you to be offered an OBE would you accept it and um, which I, I think is hilarious and. <laughs> What I really liked about it was, I mean, I had to think about it because I'm not particularly, I wouldn't say I was a royalist. I'm not, I, I admire the royal family and things like that, but I'm not the idea of an institution that kind of can encourage um, subservience. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, just the institution itself, not the people necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, and can encourage a sort of... A, or can engender a kind of behaviour of like, you know, yeah. we are lesser than. I'm, I'm, it, it puts hackles on my, yeah. on my, on my back. So, but having said that, what I, um, I really do think they've, you know, and I think it's been actually fascinating to watch how the, the royal family has reinvented itself in, in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And especially via various films and things like, the Queen and and, and, uh, and you know and Peter Morgan has done more for the royal family than 
any of them. It's crazy. <laughs> I hope he's on commission. And, uh, and I think it's actually really interesting for we've had a different understanding of this sort of lumbering process and this sort of archaic institution that royalty and, uh, is. So anyway, um, but what was great and I thought really amazing was that they said to me that my OBE um, would be for my work, but but mostly for, for, for trying to um, attain equality for LGBT people mm -hmm. in Britain and America. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really great thing. And that's why I accepted oh, yes. it. Because I feel, and also just, I, I always think of these things, what would some little gay kid in Sheffield, if they see me and they see me, I'm talking to a member of the royal family and be given this big award and it's partly to do with the fact that I've spoken up for that's people why. like him. And that to me is a really, amazing thing mm -hmm. and because it used to i used to feel that those people weren't interested in people like me so uh, that's that's why i accept it and that's why i feel it's been a great uh you know a great thing for me and also what's hilarious is that i my portrait was um painted and put up in the scottish national portrait gallery which is a I mean, a huge honour. Who painted it? This guy called Christian Hook. And he won this competition um, on, on Sky Television in Britain. It's called the Sky Portrait Artist of the Year. And he won it. And then the prize was to have a commission for the Scottish National Portrait Gallery. And then the, they asked if, they asked me. Wow. So it was amazing. And he was an incredible painter, actually. And we had this really fascinating collaboration. And I love the portrait. I went to see it actually two days in a row. I had friends in Edinburgh. We went. I, I felt so embarrassed. Going Did to you wear it. a hat or sunglasses or something? No. no. <laughs> kind of, you know, slunk around. I did a selfie. It was embarrassing. But um, I, um, it's one of the sort of, it is most the thing I'm most proud of to be sort of, and and also the, there's things about the portrait that are very personal to me, and I feel really it is it was it's amazing. It's a really amazing thing, and also to be in this great institution which yes. has all these great Scottish people um but what was hilarious that when it was first unveiled um they took a portrait of the queen down and put mine up all right <laughs> okay <laughs> she's back up again she's back yeah, up she again. was just temporarily shelved okay i'll have to look up this portrait it's really lovely and he's amazing and what was great is that he when we did the when we did the sort of test you know he, he came to new york it's when i was doing cabaret the last time and so he came to my dressing room and we did various things and he actually liked he watched me dancing oh. And then he, and so then he did this thing where he said, I want you to dance, you dance and I'll paint. And so we did this thing where I danced and put music on, I danced. And then he would like fling paint at the canvas oh. in the same way that, I mean, it was really fascinating. Yeah. And then he went off and did the one that's in the gallery, but I've got a few of the testy ones oh, yeah. at home. Yeah, with your spirit. With my spirit, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've won so many awards in the UK. When did you set your sights on coming to the United States? Well, it was sort of an accident, really, because I had never, I'd never sort of thought, oh, I, 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 that it was my goal or my aim to come to America. I never, I, I, I'd never been to America until I was thirty. Oh. So that was five years ago. Um, mm -hmm. Um, thank you. Um, no, I, so what, but what happened was I started to do films and a film I did in Ireland um, was a sort of a Hollywood film, but it was shot in Ireland. And then when it, the next year when it was coming out, they asked me to go to LA to promote it. So I went to do the press junket for that. And that was the first time I went. And, uh, and then, and I'd done another couple of films. Um, that one was called Circle Friends. And I'd done a James Bond film called Goldeneye and another 
uh, Jane Austen film, Emma. And those three films all kind of came out within the same year. So I was kind of like, you know, new blood and uh, fresh blood in Hollywood. Yeah. And I went back and, you know, I went there and kind of met people. And then I kind of, the next year after that, I came, went to Hollywood and made a couple of films. And that was when I first sort of, and, but it was really kind of one of these things I, it just, I, I do feel I've sort of tumbled through life and people have said, oh, would you like to do this? And I go, all right. And I think it's the best way to be because you don't disappoint yourself because you, I mean, all I wanted to do is do, have fun and do interesting work and do some good in the world. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you, I think if you have all these aims and goals and if you don't reach them, then you're kind of sort of self destructive in a way. And consternation over whether you should do something rather than jumping right in. Yeah, yeah. Try it. You can, I think you so. Can you give it, it a go. Yeah. Yeah, give it so a that's go. what I did. I give it a go. And then, you know, then I, so, and actually, I, so I, I went to Hollywood and I made a couple, I did this film, Romeo Michelle's High School Reunion, which is this kind of crazy pop cultural phenomenon film. They have, a, I have a bar in New York now, and once a month they have a Romeo Michelle's um, Saturday disco. And all these people come and they play 90s music and, the, there's the whole thing about post-it notes in the film. They put post-its. You can do requests to the DJ by a post-it note. And they even have scarves for people to fold because there's a bit at the end when these, the two girls, Mira Sorvino and Lisa Goodrow, fold sc scarves. So they just have scarves for people to fold in the bar. And uh, it's really hilarious. And I did that in another film called Buddy. And then I just thought, I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So I went back to London. And, I, um, and then what happened was... I did some films in, back there, and then the production of Cabaret that I'd done in London in 94, three, four, came to Broadway. And so the mm -hmm. next year I came back and did that. And then mm -hmm. I stayed in New York ever since. Yeah, well, that was a good reason to come. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good entree into yeah. New York. So playing Eli Gold on The Good Wife brought you a lot of success. Um, how did you prepare for playing, or how in general, because now you're doing it again, playing a recurring character? Well, I mean, the thing that about television is it's also last minute. And I, when I, I didn't start, you know, Eli didn't come into The Good Wife to like uh, sort of two thirds of the way through the first season. And so it wasn't like I, like with my new show, Instinct, I obviously have been you're attached to You're here from the beginning. It. Yeah, you're there from <laughs> the beginning. And you're there, you know, read it when it was a book, and then you kind of, you know, develop pit and you read all these different scripts um, and so you have some time for everything to percolate with with um, Eli I am um, with Eli it was very much like I was offered it and I had to decide in like you know the next day or two and then the day after that I was um, on the set filming it wow I know so it, it's you, you don't have much time to prepare and also I was so didn't I so didn't want to do it Mm -hmm. I actually didn't really understand. I read the script, but I was kind of flicking through it. Like, oh, what? And I didn't really understand it. And I didn't quite get why they wanted me to do it. And so I, and I actually had a meeting on the phone with the creators of the show to talk about the character. And I was shopping. I had my headphones on. <laughs> I was in the supermarket going, mm-hmm, really? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, fascinating. <laughs> so he's like... Um, He's sort of like that um, man who becomes the mayor of uh, Chicago. Um, and I, I just, I, I, now when I think about it, it's terribly disrespectful. But I, w I was, just was kind of thought it would be a one-off thing. And, you know, so I didn't prepare for it at all, really. Just, you didn't? Just, I mean, I just, 
tried to just do what I read on the page. And it wasn't until, you know, it was when they um, said it was based on, um, oh gosh, I've forgotten his name. James Patterson. No, no, that's instinct. No. Um, what's, who's what, Eli? What's his name? The one who's oh, the right, mayor right, of Chicago. Right. Rahm Emanuel. Mm -hmm. Ram. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they they said that Eli was based on Rahm Emanuel, mm -hmm. who was then an advisor to, he was the chief of staff for Obama, and yes. then he went to become the. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. There was sort of the mm -hmm. traits of him, and I knew you know certain things about him. So I just kind of, but you know, ultimately you just have to play what's on the page, mm -hmm. and then but gradually the character grew, and you know they just kept asking me back, and then in the second season I became a. I joined the cast properly. And it just, you know, it grew and grew and grew. And I, what I loved about him was that he was such a kind of, uh, what's the word, sort of a strong character. So that the, I feel the audience knew how he was going to react to something. Mm -hmm. So when something happened, they were almost one step ahead of the story. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. It's kind of oh, interesting yeah. that, you, that you realize the, and I could sort of play that. Mm -hmm. Coming into a scene, the audience are already going. Oh. Yeah, you were presaging the rest of the rest. Of yes, the, yeah. yeah, it's just interesting. I've never experienced that before. Mm -hmm. So now you're back on CBS with Instinct. So tell me about Dr. Dylan Reinhardt. Well, um, Instinct's about this guy Dylan, who we meet him, and he's the, a, a lecturer in uh, abnormal behaviour at a university and then um, and you sort of think oh fuddy-duddy professor kind of you know idiosyncratic <laughs> no. teaching methods but no. no but no but he so you quickly realize he used to be a cia agent i mean he is a fuddy-duddy professor and he is does have idiosyncratic teaching methods but he also was a cia agent and he was then he was like a child musical prodigy he has phonographic memory i mean there's so many interesting traits about him he gave up the CIA to go into academia when he found love with his husband. He has a father who's very high up in the CIA who is trying to lure him back to the mm. CIA. He wrote a book that was this kind of, you know, crossover book about abnormal behavior and serial killers and things. And then um, a serial killer, that's what the plot of the first episode is, a serial killer uses his book, leaves clues based on his book. Mm. And so... Uh, woman from the NYPD, which is who's my co-star, Bayana, she um, comes and asks him to help uh, with the case because it's about his book. And so then they obviously uh, solve the case. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, although I do think it would be good if we do another season at one episode, at least he didn't solve the case. Do you know oh, what I mean? Yeah, well... I think that's television. Everybody looks better and they all solve the case. But just once I'd like to look not so good and not solve the case. Well, I think you have some influence. I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so then he becomes a consultant for the NYPD. So he's still a lecturer and he has his CIA past that he helped, you know, Naveen Andrews plays this person who was with the CIA and he can, mm -hmm. he can always find out things that nobody else can find out on his uh, um, CIA uh, information things. Magic. Magic, you know. And it's, I mean, it's really fun. And, the, and so he works with the MIPD, but has this other life as well. And mm. it's it's sort of, you know, kind of kooky. And we solve these cases, but there's also a, a really interesting thing that he has this husband and a life with him. And it's amazing to think that it is the first ever uh, network drama on American television to have a gay character in the leading role. Which amazing. is amazing. Uh, I mean, galling and awful, actually, when you think about it, mm. but 
also, it's, I do, it is really amazing. And I do feel very proud that I am playing that person. And that in this time we find ourselves in, this period of American history where actually it's not a good time to be gay. It's not a good time to be different, mm. to be other. Mm. For, a, for a person who represents all that, to be centre stage in a, in a primetime network drama is a really great kind of um, stance. It is. As well as it being hopefully something that everyone will enjoy. It is. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. You've done so many important things. Is there one thing uh, in your whole career that you're most proud of? Um, I, sp I suppose I'm most proud of the things where I have uh, been the most authentic. Mm -hmm. Like I think, and that kind of can change, but you know, just when I've kind of really put so much of myself into something, mm -hmm. and that can be a performance. Like I was, I used to be really. I mean, I am still, but when I played Hamlet, I felt I really, um, I, I just did it in a way that I felt was, um, in, for my age and my time in my life and the experience I had, I could not be more authentic when I did it, mm. and then. You know, and I've, I've written things that I feel I proud of because of that. This idea of being open and authentic and being prepared to be vulnerable. I think that's the, that's the thing that's the most important thing as an artist for me. And I feel like when I've done that, there's been certain things where I've done that. And sometimes in a, to a foolhardy extent, actually. But I, those are the things that I feel, in terms of my work, those are the things that I feel when I've kind of pushed the boundaries of who I am and the work I'm doing and merge them and make that, that I, I really am proud of that. But in, in general, really the things I'm more proud of are, you know, how I have been able to use my uh, voice to yes. help um, change things yes. that I really feel passionately about. That's actually to me much more, you know, for the awards and things I've got, I'm much more uh, um, excited about the fact that I've been honored by you know, the, the Matthew Shepard Foundation or, you know, GLAAD or these organisations that are saying to me, thank that you're, the fact that you're being you mm -hmm. and using your voice and speaking up for people yes. who are less fortunate than you, that I feel is more important, much mm -hmm. more important than mm -hmm. any of the work that I produce. Mm. Well, thank you for bringing Instinct to ATV Fest and you're always welcome at SCAD. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, thank I'd love you. to come back. Yes. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. And we thank Alan Cumming for being a friend to SCAD and for working with our students. Among his many upcoming projects, Alan will be on stage early next year with Daniel Radcliffe in a production of Samuel Beckett's Endgame at London's Old Vic Theatre. You can also see Alan's work on the USA series Briar Patch. This has been On Creativity, a series of SCADcast. SCADcast is executive produced by SCAD president and founder Paula Wallace, co-produced by myself and Sarah Burtness, with original music by SCAD alumnus George Lovett. SCADcast is the official podcast of the Savannah College of Art and Design, with locations in Atlanta and Savannah, Georgia, Lacoste, France, Hong Kong, and online via SCAD eLearning, SCAD is the preeminent source of knowledge in the arts, 
design, and creative entrepreneurialism. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, and we'll see you next time.